Welcome to the Oakland Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Randy Bain. It's our prayer that this message encourages you and strengthens you. For more information and for other resources, visit us at oaklandonline.org. It's only 10 verses long, so we're going to read all of chapter 2 together. So hear the word of God from Jonah 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the stomach of the fish. And he said, I called out of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. I called for help from the depth of Sheol. You heard my voice. For you threw me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the current flowed around me. All your breakers and waves passed over me. So I said, I have been cast out of your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple. Water encompassed me to the point of death. The deep flowed around me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I descended to the base of the mountains. The earth with, with its bars was around me forever. But you have brought up my life from the pit, Lord my God. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who are followers of worthless idols uh, abandon their faithfulness, but I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. That which I have vowed I will pay, salvation is from the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah up onto the dry land. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for the promises of your word. Thank you, Lord, even for the, the uh, life of Jonah and the Ninevites, Lord, and what you called him to. In his experiences, I pray that we would learn from them, that we would uh, use them not only as a, a sign, but as an illustration of uh, your faithfulness, your power. I mean, behind the cross, that you might speak, have your way in this message, we pray. Amen. Amen. The key verse, I think, is verse 2. I, I mean, I like uh, it's the beginning of his prayer. Would you recite that with me? I called out of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. I called for help from the depth of Sheol, and you heard my voice. Amen. So Jesus actually references this passage, Matthew 12, 39 to 20. He says the Pharisees were asking for a sign. He said, this generation will not get a sign except for the sign of Jonah. How Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be uh, in the... Uh, earth, in the heart of the earth, for three days and three nights. So he used this as an illustration for his own, he said it was a prophecy or a, or a kind of a, a type of the uh, death and burial of Jesus, how uh, he was in the tomb. And, and I think we can do a very quick, probably, application to times that we have been in the pit, whether it be a pit of depression or a pit of uh, just near terrible circumstances or maybe just a time of... Uh, dryness where we felt like, you know, how many, the comment I often hear is that my prayers seem to not get above the ceiling uh, of my room, you know, I just can't seem to get past either what has happened or what is going on and God doesn't seem to answer. So there, this is a time of pit. Now I, I don't want to really spend a lot of time, I mean, so I've, I've heard preachers and, I, and you've read a lot of books and articles 
trying to describe how this is possible, that Jonah is swallowed by a fish. You know, I've heard them say, well, you know, whales are big, you know, whales have oxygen and they could do that, but then someone will argue the throat of a whale is too small and blah, 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 and, you know, and, and you just, and, and this is a one-time fish that God made, I mean, I've heard, I've heard like every story to try to, what you're trying, what, what they're trying to do is trying to explain away miracles. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, that's really, I mean, where, where, where do we start and end with that? I mean, if you, you know, a miracle means you can't explain it. That's, that's the, the idea where God suspends the, uh, the natural world, the laws of, the, of nature, and He acts in a way that He wants to act. And, and I thought about, where, well, how do you explain, I mean, I've heard people explain the Red Sea, the crossing of the Red Sea, you know, how the, you know, during the Exodus, how the waters, you know, Parted and they crossed by on dry land. And uh, there was a, a, a new ta an Old Testament scholar uh, who was, his name, last name's Anderson, he actually wrote on this and said that, well, it's actually the Reed Sea. It was just a swampy area. And, and they just walked over, you know, kind of marshy ground. Well, then the miracle is that that marshy ground drowned Egyptians' army, Egypt's <laughs> army, right? I mean, see, you can't, like, can't have both. And so, so think about it, Where, well, how do you explain Lazarus? Can you explain that away? Or, or Jesus and the resurrection? Or, or uh, the manna from heaven? Forty years of manna? I mean, how do you explain that? Or the fiery furnace? Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego being thrown into the fiery furnace. And there's four in there, and they come out not smelling like smoke. I mean, how, it, it, how can you explain that away? I mean, it, so it's, it's really, let's just move on. This is something miraculous that the Lord has done. Jesus refers to it as an image, a direction for us. And so I think we can apply that to our own lives. Let's just apply Jonah being in the belly of the fish, the belly, uh, as, as times when we are in the pit, when we are in the belly of the fish. And, and he uses the word pit there, so I'm going to use that word pit. Uh, verse 4, I just thought it was humorous, just before we jump into this, uh, he says, I was, you have cast me out of your sight. I'm like, wait a minute, he didn't cast you, and God didn't cast you anywhere. You did this yourself, mm -hmm. you know, and then you told the ones in the ship to throw me overboard. They threw you overboard. But I just want to note, it doesn't really matter how you get in the pit right. if you're there, right. right? And notice, Jonah really puts the onus completely on God, doesn't he? If you read this whole passage, you threw me into the deep. Your breakers and waves passed over me. I have been cast out of your sight. He, he, he's kind of like, almost describing himself as an innocent victim. <laughs> I was thrown out. I mean, I, you know, it's like, here I am. But, but and, and in the midst of all of that, it's amazing how he looks to God. How he calls upon the Lord, even in his struggle. So, uh, he does come to a time of prayer. You would say these are prayers of repentance, maybe. But, uh, oh, maybe he did repent, I believe. Uh, he, he says that at the end there. He says about those who follow worthless idols, abandon their faithfulness. In other words, someone who makes a pledge to an idol doesn't necessarily carry through. But he is saying, but I have vowed, what I have vowed, I will pay. So he's saying, I will carry through. It doesn't really tell us what he's vowed, but, but he will do it. And so then the Lord at that point uh, brings him has the fish you know, vomit him up on dry land. So, so let's look a little bit about this. So if you are in a pit, or have been in a pit, or you're in that pit now, you're in the belly of the well, you feel like 
you're just like ready to give up. You feel like, well, is this ever going to get any better? You are in good company. <clears throat> the Bible is full of saints of God who are in the belly of the fish, who were in the pit. The fellow pit dwellers, I just would list that, says, I descended to the base of the mountains, the earth with its bars were around me forever, and you have brought up my life from the pit, Lord my God. So, so if you think about it, I was going to be kind of cute and talk about uh, some people that are in the pit, like the University of Pittsburgh football team, or the <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers, or the Penguins. I mean, it seems like every team I'm supporting is like, <clears throat> not on the up and up, they're kind of like on the downside. <clears throat> but uh, seriously, let's, let's move on, please. <clears throat> uh, uh, there are, there's uh, many that are in the depths of despair. I, I think that's a Anne of Green Gables comment. If anybody have ever seen that, she was a little bit overdramatic always, but she was always in the depths of despair. But, but seriously, that can be that. It can be the pit of death. It can, a shoal, it talks about him being in shoal. A shoal was really just the place of the dead. And it's not a really highly theological word. I mean, it, it's not like, there's a big theology of it, and there's deep, it's just a general idea of this is where the dead people are. Okay, they're not here with us, they are somewhere else. Uh, it's not like Hades and hell and paradise, I mean, you can get into it, it's just, it's just the place of the dead, and that, that's kind of what it's referring to. But, uh, but think of some other people, think of Joseph, remember Joseph, the pit of many, uh, with the coat of many colors, right? And what happened, his brothers got jealous, and what did they do? They captured him and they put him in a cistern. Mm -hmm. Now they were going to kill him, and, and, uh, and remember Reuben said, no, 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 let's not kill him, let's just throw him in this pit, cistern, pit. And, I, and he planned on coming back and getting him later. And while Reuben was away, remember, of course, the Ishmaelite traders came by, and they said, oh, let's just sell him. And so they sold him as a slave. But how many years, 13 years, he spends as a prisoner, as a slave, I mean, talk about being in the belly of a pit. Being the belly of the well, in the pit, that's Joseph. Well, God eventually, at just the right time, brought him out. Amen? Amen? The three Hebrew, Hebrew children, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, Daniel chapter 3. They're in the, in the fiery furnace. Some of, some of you might feel like you're in a furnace right now. Uh, and, of course, the Lord showed up there. And at just the right time, they were brought out of the furnace. Daniel in the lion's den, Daniel 6. You know, that was one of my favorite, uh, it, it's kind of funny, all I remember growing up spiritually, we had a puzzle, a round puzzle of Daniel in the lion's den. And so, of course, all my growing up years, that became my favorite story from the Bible. It's kind of funny, it's about the only one I remember from the Bible, from those early days. But uh, the Lord shut the mouth of the lions. He was in the lion's den, the lion's pit. David, hiding in caves, when he was running from Saul, multiple times he was in the cave. One time he was in the cave hiding when Saul came in, and, and the Lord kind of <clears throat> almost had an opportunity. First Samuel 22, 24, I mean, you find these passages. So, so King David was in a pit, was in the cave. Joseph, the prime minister of Egypt, eventually was in the cave. Elijah, the great prophet of God who had the battle with the prophets of the prophets of uh, Baal and Ashtaroth. What happened to him? Well, after he had this big battle, King, Queen Jezebel threatened to kill him, so he ran for his life, and he ran to Mount Horeb, and went into a cave and hid there. Of course, God called him out of that cave, right? Uh, and I think he calls us out of our caves. 
And of course, Jeremiah, I think Jeremiah is probably one of the best illustrations. Uh, if you read Jeremiah chapter 38, because he was preaching to the Israelites and they didn't like what he was hearing, they were hearing, they, they eventually arrested him and put him in a cistern. It was a cistern that was kind of empty. It was just mud in the bottom. And can you imagine like being, that's, that's where they left him. And uh, he eventually got out of there. They pulled him out and uh, they threatened to put him back in. He pleaded, do not throw me back in the pit. Don't throw me back in. I will die there if you do. So, so pretty good company, these people. You know, if you want to be named with them. I remember when I was in seminary one time, they uh, brought in a speaker, <coughs> Greg Paris. Like, Greg Paris? That's, I think it was his name. He was from Cincinnati, and he was this pastor that was... <laughs> Uh, had great success, he was doing great things, and, and I remember as he was preaching, he preached long, I mean, he really went long, and, and we at, at chapel, you had bells that went off, like the next class was starting, and, and he would make fun of that, he goes, what is that noise, and he just kept preaching, <laughs> I mean, professors were getting up, walking out of the service, because they had to go lead their class, but uh, he, he just kept making fun of the bells, he told his story about uh, everything that was happening, but then he shared about what was happening in his family, some of the sicknesses and challenges and, and losses that they had had in his family. And I, at that moment, I remember saying to the Lord, Lord, uh, if that's what it takes, you don't have to use me in that way. <laughs> because I just heard the, 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 what, he, what he cost him to, to be the faithful servant that he was. Well, of course, Lazarus was in the pit in the cave, John 11. Jesus was in a pit overnight. Uh, not just in the grave for three days. And it was one of my most moving experiences in Israel, uh, when I, one of my first trips to Israel, and it's not even really in, a, in the scriptures. Uh, in uh, in uh, the uh, Caiaphas's house, there's actually steps that lead up to Caiaphas's house, and my, at least my poor guy told me, these are probably the original steps. They were probably there in, in the time of Jesus. And so when Jesus was arrested, he probably would have taken up these steps, and they got to Caiaphas' house, there was a cistern or a hold where they would put prisoners. And uh, of course in there, there, in the rock, there's this kind of like a, a silhouette of a face. And, 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 and I remember looking at that and just, I don't know, just the presence of Jesus just seemed to overwhelm me to think that he was in this pit, maybe for me, you know, and that was his suffering. And, it, and it's called the... Uh, Galicantu, uh, this means the cock's crow, cock crows, this is where Peter denied Jesus in the courtyard uh, three times and then the rooster crowed. But uh, Jesus himself was, knew what it meant to be in a pit. I think you know, maybe his whole life on earth was like the pit. If you think about, compare the glories of heaven and then compare what it's like to live on this earth. But uh, of course Jesus was in the tomb for three days. The Apostles' Creed said he descended to hell. And, and I wonder about that. And then, of course, finally, I'm going to close with Saul, who, who became Paul. He was, uh, you know, probably at the height of his ministry. He was uh, growing as a Jewish leader. He was arresting Christians. He was, like, in charge. And he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. And he is stricken blind. And, and he is waiting for three days, blinded, for someone to come and pray for him. So I, I, wonder, I wonder about you. How... how how long have you been in the pit? Or have you been in the pit? Maybe you're not. Maybe you're doing great. And things are awesome. Oh, hallelujah. You know, celebrate. And, and believe me, I think it's hard to find friends to celebrate with. Mm -hmm. 
because you, you share your celebration and people think, oh yeah, this person's always bragging, always, you know, clergy do that, you know, if something's going great and some clergy starts sharing, well then all the others are kind of like, you know, feeling, I don't know, a little bit jealous or maybe they're feeling that that person's a little arrogant. It's hard to find a good friend to celebrate with. And, and, uh, and I encourage you to, if, you, if, you, if you're having a great day, praise the Lord. Find someone that will be happy with what you're going on and share that with them. But most times we're, we're actually on the other end. And, and, and we feel like we've been in the pit. We're having some struggles. And so let's look about that. Let's look at some common uh, features of a pit. He says, he has a whole lot of them. Jonah says, waters encompass me to the point of death. The deep float around me, seaweed wrapped around my head. If you feel like you're dying, if you feel like you're surrounded by hopelessness, you're like being choked off. I mean, that, that's kind of the feelings of, of being, a pit. it could be a pit of depression. Uh, can, you know, kinds of pits can be a pit of unforgiveness. Can be a pit of remorse. You know, we, we talked about in staff meeting, we said about one thing that really we hear about a lot is that people can't get over what they have done. They can't get past what they have done. Or, or sometimes people can't get past what has been done to them. It's kind of, they live in a perpetual self-pity party. And I'm always, always, you know, feeling remorse or feeling unforgiveness. Uh, sometimes the pit is just an obligation. It's just what your lot in life right now, and it's more than you can bear. You know, you, and you're crying out all the time, Lord, how long? I can't keep this up. Have you ever said that? I just can't do this anymore. Have you ever said that? I mean, sometimes. Uh, there might be a pit of fear. Uh, you have a diagnosis. Uh, you have decisions to make. You, you don't know what good option there is. Uh, maybe a pit of rebellion. I think really that is Jonah. Is he is living in rebellion. He is running from God. And, and, and he won't quit running from God. So, how we get there, a variety of ways. Sometimes we fall in, we don't intend to be where we are. You didn't ask for this. Uh, sometimes we get thrown in by God or by others. That's kind of Jonah's case. He gets thrown in. Or it, we go there to hide. And sometimes for self-protection, we kind of close in. We won't, you know, want to protect ourselves. Uh, I think of the three lost parables from Luke 15, are a great illustration of that. Uh, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost, the prodigal son, the lost son. How, how do sheep get lost? You can answer that. How do they get lost? They wander off. If they're not like setting out like, oh, I think we'll get lost today. Right? I mean, they just get lost. They wander off. Uh, that happens to us. I mean, we don't really, I didn't really mean to, you know, get into trouble. I didn't mean to run into this problem, but we just kind of, it happens. The lost coin, uh, coins don't really move themselves. I, I had a funny experience this week. I lost my keys. Now you might say, well, sure. Well, I never lose my keys. Well, now I can't say that because I lost them once. But yeah, I, I was here at a funeral and I had opened the doors and, and I came up and saw the undertaker and reached in my pocket like, Oh, my keys weren't there. <laughs> and that was the—it's worse than my phone missing. They're like, wait, my keys, my key. And, and I'm like, and the, and the undertaker looked at me like, oh, I said, I lost my keys. I'm like, I never lose my keys. I mean, I mean, like Darlene loses her keys all the time. You know, right? Not all the time, but frequently. 
and we don't have a phone on the keys, so you can't call them, you know. But but it's like I just couldn't find my keys, and so I started, you know, what do you do? You backtrack. And I, I, I went out here, went down the steps. I know I unlocked the doors. I went to the doors. And, and the thing is, the fellowship hall doors to, to hold them open. If any of you don't know this, you, if you're inside, you're the first one here. You push the handle in, and there's a little screw there. You go up and turn it a quarter turn, and it keeps the handle down, so you can go in and out. Well, we have things hanging by the jam that are like little screwdrivers. Mm -hmm. And so, and I just found it's easier. My keys work too. So when I come in, I just pull my key out and I push the thing in and twist it. You know what I did? I hung my keys up on those screwdrivers. <laughs> like, why did you do that? I mean, that's stupid. I, but uh, that, so I went down. Sure enough, there's the keys are hanging on the screwdrivers. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I might get tested. You know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. But anyway, that's the coins. Somebody has to misplace them. Right? right? Somebody has to do something with them for them to get lost. I mean, they don't crawl off the table. I mean, they, they, they get, someone has to put them there. And then finally, the, uh, what about the prodigal son? Uh, it's just active rebellion. We run off. We run away from God. We run away from what is good. Psalm 103, uh, beautiful psalm. It, it lists about six things, benefits that God does for us. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of His benefits. I want you to notice how these benefits correspond directly to how we get in the pit. Mm. He says, who, who He pardons all your iniquities, or your guilt. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. Who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I think about growing older, I think about you know, being depressed, I think about having issues of health, I think about falling into sin or sins that have happened to you. The Lord, the benefits of knowing the Lord is that He heals all those. He ministers to all those needs. So, so how do, prayers from the pit, how, how do we get out? Look at, look at how Jonah gets out. He says, I called out of my distress to the Lord and He answered me. I called for help from the depth of Sheol, and he heard my voice. Now, of course, a lot of times when you're in the pit, your prayers are kind of like foxhole prayers. If you get me out of this, I will do this, right? Or, or it's kind of like, I think Jeremy says, like, let's make a deal prayers, right? I mean, if you get me out of this, then I will do this. You know, and actually, uh, in the 40, in the late 40s, after World War II, there was a big influx of people that went into the ministry. And, and I think a lot of it was because of foxhole prayers. You get me out of this, I will serve you. And people got out, and out of the military, it's like, okay, I'm going into the ministry. I mean, that's, they fulfilled their, their promise in that foxhole prayer. Uh, but, uh, but let's make a deal. Sometimes our prayers are prayers of self-pity. Sometimes they're prayers of regret. If only, or what if. Uh, I think sometimes we're in the belly of the pit, the belly of the fish, when we get stuck in those prayers. Uh, uh, Dr. Elizabeth uh, Kubler-Ross, who wrote, talk, wrote a lot of research on death and dying, uh, she talked about the five stages of grief. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and then finally acceptance. And she's gotten a lot of grief over that because some people say, no, there's really seven stages, and others have said, well, they aren't progressed, we don't just go through them. We oftentimes 
get stuck in one and we go back and forth. And yeah, it's, it's, we're human beings. There's a whole lot of dynamics to that. But, but I think that we get in the pit when we get stuck in one of those. Like if you get stuck on anger, you get stuck in denial, if you get stuck in bargaining with God. Bargaining with God are, are not necessarily prayers of repentance. They might be manipulative prayers. You're trying to get God to do what you want, you know. But, but looking at these prayers, Jonah's prayers are prayers for help. They were prayers for surrender. And I believe they were prayers of repentance. Prayers and promises. He said, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. That which I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. Well, at the end of that prayer, we don't really know. If you would stop there in Jonah 2.9, you wouldn't really know, did God hear that prayer, right? You remember, remember when Abraham, uh, the Lord came to Abraham and said about Sodom was going to be destroyed, and, and Abraham began bargaining with God. He said, well, you, you, what if he gets it clear down to 10? If there's 10 righteous men, in the city, will you spare the city? Because that's where that's where Lot was, his nephew. And and you know what Abram hears next? Uh, then the the passage takes us down into into Sodom, and Sodom is destroyed. Remember, Lot's wife dies because she looked back, and there wasn't ten righteous people there. Lot and his family are the only ones to get out. And then it tells us the next chapter. Abraham looks and sees the smoke rising from Sodom. He, he never really knows. Did God hear my prayer? Because it, it happened. But he did. He did honor that and spared Lot. And if we would stop at verse 9, we wouldn't know what happened. But if you go on to verse 10, and it says, Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah up on dry land. And then, of course, chapter 3, it takes us a little bit further. H how do we get out of the pit? If you're in the pit right now, if you're in the struggle, if you're feeling like you're overwhelmed, and losing the battle. How do you get out of that? Well, when do we get out of it? I'd say we get out of it when God uh, gets us out. Right? I mean, it's when it's time. At the right time. When God delivers us. I, I think we can hurry that. If, you, if you're in a pit of rebellion, if you're running from God, if you're disobeying, I, I think a, a prayer of repentance, looking to Jesus, calling upon the Lord in that time of despair. We'll, we'll slow that. Now, uh, we, we had a good discussion on Wednesday night about uh, true repentance. A lot of people, when they hit the end, will cry out to God and cry for help. Kind of like Pharaoh. Remember the ten plagues came, and in the middle of those plagues, he said, Okay, okay, you can go. And as soon as they left, like, Nah, you can't go. You know, and even when they left him go after the tenth plague, and they are fleeing, he changed his mind and said, Send the army after them, let's go get them. Sometimes we do that. You know, we're, when we get to the end of our rope, we'll cry out to God and say, Lord, I'll do whatever you say. And then we get a little bit of relief, and then we're like, oh, oh, I think I'm okay. And we don't carry through. True repentance, if God has laid it on your heart, to repent and turn to Him and surrender to Him, true repentance carries through. Mm -hmm. Repentance doesn't just mean change your mind, but it means change your life. And, and I believe we get out, we can get out of the uh, pit earlier, if we would really change our lives, call upon the Lord, and follow through with what we promised. Look to Jesus, repent, look to God, look up and trust Him. Look for hope at the top of the, of the pit, because there Jesus is. Look for light and call upon Him.
I want, I want to point two things out from this chapter 2. One, the two ends, the beginning, verse 1, and the end, verse 10, is the narrative passage, is the narrative aspect. Verse 1 says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the stomach of the fish. That's just telling us what happened. And then verse 10 is, Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah up on dry land. In the middle, verses 2 through 9, is all a prayer. And it's funny, it doesn't have a nice name. Mary's prayer is the Magnificat, and you know, uh, Simon's prayer is the Nunc Dimitri. You know, they all have these beautiful names. Jonah's prayer doesn't have one. It's just his prayer from the belly. But he prayed, God heard his prayer, and Jonah's life was spared. I want to just give that to you. Call upon the Lord. Follow through in what he lays on your heart. And he will hear, he will deliver, he will heal. Shall mm -hmm. so we pray? Lord, thank you for your holy word. Thank you, Lord, for the promises of your word. And Lord, I pray that we, like Jonah, in the midst of our struggle, in the midst of our pit, would look to you. We would pray to your holy temple, to you, high and lifted up, in the name of Jesus, and know that you hear, and that you forgive, and that you deliver. That is our prayer in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from Oakland Church. For more information and for other resources, visit us at oaklandonline.org.